Graham Roundtree has been announced as uh, the new coach of Munster Rugby. That was such a big momentum changer for me. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Meaningful Metrics on Off The Ball. In partnership with Whoop, the personalised digital fitness and health coach that helps you unlock your inner potential. See whoop.com for more. So the 2022 NFL draft takes place over the next couple of nights. And if you're out and about and you're chatting about it over the weekend, you'll want to listen to this because you're going to be a whole lot smarter by the end of it. It is Meaningful Metrics and Off the Ball in partnership with Whoop, the personalized digital fitness and health coach that helps you unlock your inner potential. Check out whoop.com for more. Our expert on Meaningful Metrics this evening is our very own Keen Fahey. Evening, Keen. How are we doing? So... You're going to talk to us about the NFL draft and the NFL combine, which I guess leads into the NFL draft and gives everybody who makes the big decisions the data they need to decide who they're going to take in the draft. So talk to us for for people who are coming into this and aren't quite, you know, maybe who just start getting into the NFL around late August, September and don't really care about the stuff that builds up to it. What is the combine and how does it fit into the structure of the sport? Convince the people who don't care, Nathan. That's always easy. <laughs> um, so the NFL, essentially, it has two marquee events. It's got the Super Bowl that everyone knows about, and that's the one the good teams care about because the good teams have a chance of actually playing in the Super Bowl or at least playing in the playoffs. But the draft is for the bad teams, the teams who know they're not going to be in the playoffs by midseason. They start looking at what players are going to come in next year. So unlike soccer, where you've got leagues all over the world, where you've got academies all over the world, where you can find players anywhere, where you can buy and sell players, and you can do an awful lot, there's very limited ways NFL teams can get better. They have free agency, which is veteran players, guys who are already in the league changing teams, but the draft is how everyone gets into the league. They have to come through the draft. And essentially what it is, it's 32 slots and there's seven rounds. So there's seven rounds of 32 slots. And the worst team in the league from the previous season gets the first pick. So, And the best team, the team that wins the Super Bowl, gets the worst pick. So the goal of the draft, the goal of the NFL is to create parity and create balance and have more competitiveness. And it's why you don't see a Manchester City. It's why you don't see a Liverpool just dominating and winning over and over and over again. Tell that to and Tom combine- Brady. Yeah, let's 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 lock it in. We, we, we're a minute in. We're already defaulting to Tom Brady. He gets talked about enough. Come on, we don't need to do that. Um, so any, anyway, the NFL Combine is the, the the kind of the prelude to the NFL Draft, and the, the draft is the uh, conclusion of the college football uh, careers of these young players. So if you go through and you look at the the perspective, because it's closed off, because players aren't coming from all over the world, there's like a filter system in America. So if you're six, seven, eight years of age, you start playing football. And if you're good and you're the best in your town, you might get onto your high school team. And if you're really, really good and you're one of the best on your high school team, you might have a chance of playing in college. So this is, but there's hundreds of college teams. So, and each college team has 100 to 120 players. So if you make one of them, you're one of the best football players in the country, but you have to be one of the very best players on those teams to even have a chance of making the NFL. So what happens is we're constantly diluting the athleticism of the players. You're constantly diluting the uh, ability of the players as they're getting older. And then they get drafted at the peak time when they're like 20, 21, 22, when they're becoming fully formed, fully uh, built athletes and fully grown men. So the combine serves the purpose of giving us a a full evaluation of their athletic ability. So it's not necessarily looking at how technically good they are. It's not necessarily how good they throw the ball or, or how, uh, how they actually play their positions, but it's giving you a complete outline of their athletic profile. And it's very, very useful because 
all these players, so there's 250 players will be drafted, there's thousands of players playing college football, and all these players are playing at different levels within that group. So you could have guys at Alabama who are like basically dead set to be NFL players, and you can have guys at like Southern Miss where they're just on there and they're doing their degree in college and they like to play football on the weekends. And if those guys go up against each other, the Alabama guys are basically pro athletes. It's a bit like the England women against Ireland last week where it's just obviously unfair. So you have to try and contextualize it. And the combine fits perfectly into the draft system by giving us all these workouts, by giving us all these specific numbers and measurements of what they can physically do. Those numbers and measurements, they must have changed dramatically through the years. Even if we if we look at the whoops that we're wearing, the amount of data and information you can now get on that in terms of your recovery, your sleep, uh, the level of effort you're putting in. There's so much data available right now. How has it changed in the 50, what, 55 years since we had the first Super Bowl? Well, we had the first Super Bowl 55 years ago, like you said, or 60 years ago, whatever we're at now. But the actual first NFL combine was 1982. And, like, what was sports science in 1982? <laughs> like, there's, there's a famous old picture of a Raiders player smoking a cigarette at halftime of a Super Bowl. And he was, like, one of the best NFL players ever at the time and is, like, a Hall of Famer now. So back then, like, and if you go back through the footage and the videos, these were normal-looking human beings. Like, if me and you walked alongside them, they'd all be like, yeah, that's, they're just, like, they just fit in. They fit in. But if you had an actual NFL player walk by you now, every single head would turn because you'd see that they're just monstrous athletes. And the sports science aspect of it is, now we have a better way of understanding recovery. Obviously, Whoop comes in there. They have a better way of measuring uh, like body mass and body uh, body index and the muscle aspect and fat aspect. And if players are too big, they need to be in certain uh, certain lanes. They want guys to be, if you're a defensive end, they want you to be 260 plus pounds in America, which is the way they measure it and, and, and that kind of a thing. But the actual exercises as well, because back in the day all of us thought hey if i can bench press this it means i'm really i'm really good i'm really useful but like there's no actual functional practical application of a bench press in a game of football it's it's uh the and obviously sprinting as well the 40 yard dash is something we'll come on to in more in greater detail but if you're really fast on over 40 yards yeah it's valuable and it's an idea of how, how fast you are and when it started off that was the idea who's the fastest guy here who's the strongest guy here but they weren't taking it and actually applying it to the sport so it was just measuring basic gym work that you could do anywhere now they've gotten into much more detail where they're breaking down the different aspects of what you do you still measure the 40 you still do the bench press but they're looking at like your jumps so you can get the actual power that's in your lower body because that's a lot of what the sport is it's getting low winning against the man in front of you they're looking at your vertical jumps because if the ball's in the air they want to know who can get to the ball and they're also looking at your quickness and your agility and how you turn and move and how your hips flip and all the, those different details and they're looking at different measurements run. per position no, so well, the, the, each each uh, prospect has the choice to take part in different um, exercises. So they can choose if they want to do certain things. And obviously, if you don't do something, everyone will go, "Why aren't you doing it?" That's a bit of a concern. It's a bit of a red flag. So all of them can do all, like even the punters and the kickers and the guys who never do anything during the actual game. Those guys still go through all this if they want to. But they all do the same stuff. But the teams have gotten much smarter as well because they look now for specific exercises, for specific measurements, for different positions. The quarterbacks who go through this, it's an absolute waste of time. Like the most famous uh, photo of the combine is Tom Brady standing shirtless where everything's sagging and he's got no muscle definition at all. And he's the greatest quarterback ever, like you said, or one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. And so it doesn't actually matter for them. They're just there to throw the ball around, do some interviews, talk to teams who might draft them. But then if you go to a defensive end, and this is where it gets really, really interesting because defensive ends are just freak athletes. 
So they want to get all their, their strength stuff. They want to get all the short area explosiveness. Whereas if you go to a wide receiver, he's got to have long area explosiveness because he's going to run routes deep downfield. So where the defensive end is in the tight area of the field and he needs to be quick and strong, the wide receiver on the outside needs to be quick, but his strength isn't as much of a factor. And it, it's, the, it's a lot of different aspects, like the offensive linemen, their size is a big thing. They need to be certain levels of size and have a certain type of uh, body composition. Uh, a great story from years and years ago was Andre Smith, who turned up to a combine or a pro day and he was a, an offensive tackle he's like probably 130 kg 140 kg six foot six absolute monster and a phenomenal talent and one of the things they always test is how quick your feet are his feet were incredibly quick and he did all the exercises did everything brilliantly then he took his shirt off and he looked awful and it's how pervasive the draft is they all were put off by him and thought oh he just looks kind of fat even though his actual results were incredibly good they looked away from that and didn't focus on it he, he eventually did go high in the draft and had a decent career but it's just the, the nature of trying to find the right balance and doing the right things for each player at each different position you have some case studies then to, to break it down you might talk us through the linebackers first and how the combine works with them yeah, so if we look at the, the three I've taken here are kind of, uh, Eric Hendricks is a, a lighter linebacker. You can see the weight at the bottom. It's 232 pounds. But, and even if you don't understand what pounds are, you can see relative to the other players there. Reggie Ragland is 247 and Fred Warner is 236. So the weight is very important because the NFL used to be a sport where all it was was running the ball. Everyone wanted to run into each other. It was a car crash in every snap. It's why you hear so much about CTE and all the problems coming from that. But now it's what it's opening up and it's all about space. It's all about the fast guys, guys who can turn and run and make mirror movements of wide receivers and tight ends and track the running back when he gets open into open space. So actually linebackers are now getting lower and lower. So you want someone to be that 232, 236. That's perfect. A guy like Ragland here at 247 is too heavy and he gets exposed. So Ragland played at the aforementioned Alabama where he was a big, powerful, dominant player. And because in college they weren't fast enough or they weren't consistent enough uh, across each team to expose him in space and show off that he couldn't actually turn and move, he became a high first-round pick. But he still didn't actually go, or he didn't actually turn out to be a great player. Whereas Kendricks and Warner both went in the third round of the draft. They were overlooked because they weren't at as prestigious a, a school. So the numbers here actually kind of reflect what you want in a player now as a linebacker. So the 40, it, it's 40 is the 40-yard dash. You run uh, straight in a straight line for 40 yards. You measure the 10-yard split. You measure the 20-yard split. For linebackers, they never actually run in a 40 yards in a game they'll but they will have to turn and run for 20 or 30 to have to run with a wide receiver so if you're doing that in 461 that's a pretty good speed for a guy who's 232 pounds if you're doing it at 472 that means rob gonkowski's run right past you and he's wide open that difference it doesn't seem like a lot but that split second in a game is massively important and then the tree cone actually i think is more important so the tree cone is you're measuring the, the quickness to go from one spot to another, change direction, change direction, change direction. So you're just doing that in a very short period. So it's 7.14 seconds was Eric Hendricks, 6.9 was Fred Warner's. And now look at Ragland. Ragland specifically didn't do it because he didn't want to be exposed and have shown how slow he was changing direction. And the, the, three, the three linebackers I picked here, they're the perfect case study because Kendricks and Warner are probably two of the very best linebackers in the league and the very best linebackers covering space in coverage, whereas Ragland can only play on certain downs or in certain positions because when you spread the field and put a bunch of wide receivers on the field, he has no one to cover. The offense knows, oh, he's standing there against a guy who's 30, pound, 30 pounds lighter and twice as fast as him. We're just going to throw the ball there and let him run away from him. And that's how, how the combine can be uh, very applicable to the actual sport. And you can actually look at the, the specific numbers and see where the value is going to be. Ragland went high still because sometimes guys overcome these numbers, but you're kind of taking a shot in the dark then when the actual evidence says this is different. The vertical there as well is just the, the straight jump, standing start. The 
it's not hugely valuable for a linebacker, but the uh, the distance jump relative to the weight, it kind of also implies the level of overall athleticism. So if you're able to have a high vertical as a heavier player, that means you've got serious power in your legs. Uh, run through to the defensive ends and the wide receivers there as well. Well, the defensive ends is where it's really kind of fascinating because, and we were talking about the history earlier, in 2008 or 2007, Vernon Goldston was considered a star player, a supreme athlete, and he was a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. And he, he tested at the Combine. Any review of that Combine, you'll see Vernon Goldston, next big star, Vernon Goldston, superstar. And he went in the top five of the draft, and he went to the New York Jets to a great defensive mind. But Vernon Goldston only had a great Combine if you looked at the basic numbers that we were talking about. He had a great bench press, great 40, all the stuff that doesn't actually apply to his position. What actually mattered was the broad jumps and the vertical, or not the vertical jump, the tree cone. Because the broad jump is gonna, it's, it's a standing start, you're ex exploding and you're going straight across. You're going as far as you can in a lateral movement rather than jumping up in the air. And his broad jump was not particularly good for how, for. Uh, the situation for how he for how his overall physical frame was actually his broad jump wasn't too bad sorry it's his tree cone combined with his broad jump so him and von miller had a very similar broad jump 126 uh, inches versus 125 inches and actually if you go across to joey bosa he had a worse broad jump but he was a heavier and more talented overall player where the similarities are between the two successful players von miller uh, former defensive mvp and super bowl winner joey bosa one of the very best players in the league right now they both had very similar tree cone drills where they're both very quick so that means they can make very quick movements in tight spaces, which is what you do as a defensive end, as a pass rusher. Whereas Vernon Goldson was just a big guy who had all this athleticism, but it was all straight line athleticism. He's at 7.12 seconds during the tree cone drill, which means he couldn't turn. So what would happen is he'd explode off the line. He'd just get pushed by an offensive lineman and he'd fall over. Whereas these guys can get explode off the line, bend down and use the actual uh, balance and use the leverage they create to turn the corner and get to the quarterback. And that's how you get the highlight plays and the sacks. If we jump to the wide receivers... Can I just ask before you do that, Keen, is there a way to cheat the system when it comes to the combine? Are they always looking that you can, you can peak your body in a way that you impress the scouts that you can't replicate when it comes to a match? 100%. And that, that's one of the issues that uh, causes the rookie wall is what they talk about. So if the NFL season starts in September and you have a great couple of weeks or a couple of months and then suddenly after week 11 or week 12, you're like, why is this rookie not playing well anymore? Well, it's because he spent all of his offseason trying to train and peak for the combine. So he got his best physical performance possible. It's like a, a bodybuilder trying to hit, hit his peak performance for a, a show or something like that. You know there's going to be that lag off backwards, but it also means you're going to be worn down by doing it for over, over 12 months of the year. Year. and guys do that like they're it, it's hard to say who does and who doesn't but it is also the aspect that you can generally see on tape what would happen is you will go through the combine and he's faster than everyone else at the combine but then you look at his tape and you're like why is he not faster here it's one of two things he's either purposely peaked and purposely trained for it and there's actually businesses and organizations now specifically built around just peaking for the combine or it's a, it's his um, comfort with wearing pads and wearing a helmet. So the pads and the helmet are like 20 pounds. It's like, I know you've had one, you have one in the studio there right now as far as I know, but you put those on, it's like carrying a weighted jacket because the size of them, and if you're, if you're fast without them, that's, that's fine. But if it doesn't translate with all that gear on you, someone else might carry that gear better than you. So you might be 0.1 second faster than them without it. But if you're the same speed with it, or if you're, he's a little bit faster than you with it, then the actual value and the applicable, uh, applicability of the numbers isn't really there. Right, that's I'd be going down the cheating the system route. I think. Uh, finish up then uh, with uh, your last selection. You've gone with some wide receivers. 
Yeah, well, these are these are the stars. You know the way Usain Bolt, the hundred meters is always the biggest thing at the Olympics. The the forty times for the wide receivers is the is always the best one. And four two two, I believe, is the fastest ever. So it's four two two going forty yards. Like it, it, you're essentially talking about the same thing. Eleven seconds for hundred meters or whatever it is, eleven point five seconds. These these guys are can be absolute superstars, but you can also be completely misled. So the late, some would say great, some wouldn't, the late great Al Davis used to own the Oakland Raiders, who are now the Las Vegas Raiders. He used to just kind of pick guys on the 40 time. So it was like, if you could run a 4-2-40, Al Davis was going to draft you. It didn't matter if you couldn't catch the ball. It didn't matter if you couldn't run a road. It didn't matter if you were completely weak or too small. He's just going to draft you. And that's Darius Hayward Bain. Very famously, 12, 13 years ago, went in the top five of the draft. Had like a middling career. He was okay. He became like a special teams guy. He didn't play for the Raiders that long. So he's still in the league and he's crafted out a career. How has he done that? Well, he struggled to catch the ball, but he could run very fast. So guys can't keep up with him. And he's also quite big. So if you look at him there, he's 210 pounds. That's that's 100 kg basically. You're a heavy or 95, 100 kg, whatever it is. You're a heavy, big bodied guy. You're 73.6 inches tall. And you have all that strength and all that physical size. So he actually didn't work out, but he still had a career. So compare him to the guy next to him and John Ross. John Ross ran... A little bit, a little bit slower, forty, uh, but had uh, had a smaller vertical as well, but was much, much smaller. So he needed to get every single thing he could out of his speed because he was so light he could get pushed around by the other cornerbacks and get leaned on, and he can get pushed off the field, and that means he couldn't make a play. So John Ross is out of the league right now, as far as I know, he's about twenty-five or twenty-six, and is completely dropped out of his career. So then you look at the superstar here. This is the guy who just got traded for a bunch of first-round picks and is being paid twenty-five million dollars a year by the Miami Dolphins after winning a Super Bowl with the Kansas. City Chiefs. So what's the big difference between him and John Ross? Well, outside of there's some technical aspects in terms of route running and re- uh, looking at the ball in the air, that kind of stuff, is there is differences there. But the main differences here are the two ticks that he's got in the vertical jump and the broad jump. Because in his vertical jump is 40.5 inches compared to, jo- uh, to John Ross, who is somewhat similar body type, like they're similar height. Actually, Tyreek Hill is much heavier, so that's actually working in his favor. But if you look at their vertical jump, he's 40.5 inches, John Ross is 32. What does that tell you? It tells you in his quads and his hamstrings, he's got a bunch of power. That means he, when a defensive back latches onto him and tries to push him over, his low center of gravity is actually going to make him the winner there because he's going to be able to use the leverage and he's going to be able to plant his feet and stay there. And that's usually important when you've got cornerbacks who are generally the best athletes in the sport trying to push you over trying to knock your timing off and trying to stop you from getting there so or getting to your spot so the broad jump very similar again 129 inches and that's nine above john ross but even more impressive this is above darius hayward bay who is the freak athlete of the group and you would think just by looking at him and just by looking at the overall numbers but when you isolate it to this group the most important numbers the ones that actually generate the power the ones that look at the overall speed tyree kill is actually a much better athlete than darius hayward bay but if they were standing next to each other you'd see the taller hayward bay you'd see the heavier Hayward Bay, you'd see all the definition, you'd see everything he's got. But when you actually put them next to each other and running in a, a, running in a sprint or actually jumping to catch, because Tyreek Hill has made some incredible plays in the NFL where he's like jumped over defenders, where he's five foot nine, five foot ten, whatever he is, and the defender is six foot two, six foot three, and it just doesn't matter because he's got that level of explosiveness. And you can go back to his combine and see it, even though you can see it now in the NFL. It's probably more fun to watch him in the NFL. I see Caelan Barnes ran 4.23, the second fastest time ever uh, last month ahead of uh, the draft. So for anyone who's going to be out and about and uh, wants to sound pretty smart and talk about who are going to be the first picks for this year's draft, what are we looking at? 
Aiden Hutchinson is the guy that everyone's talking about, and he's a defensive end, so we can kind of go back. I can actually go back and Sounds compare like him to... Sounds like he's been playing full forward for Waterford, doesn't he? He, he might be doing that too. He'd do a good job of it, because he's six foot six or something like that. But he, he, if we go back and we can look at Joey Bosa there, he's very comparable to Joey Bosa in that he's a bigger, heavier guy. And Joey Bosa actually was... It was interesting. When he was coming out, a lot of the knocks on him were he wasn't actually that athletic. But what wasn't happening there, and this is a key detail... You have a level of athleticism and a level of uh, strength and speed and whatever you want to get, but you can't treat everyone the same. If one guy has 20 extra pounds on you or one guy is 120 kg doing things that you're doing at 110 kg, he's more valuable because that weight still matters. It's like a weight class in boxing. It's like like the things that Tyson Fury, the way he's able to move, he's not going to move as fast as someone like McGregor or someone like that, but the fact he does it at his size makes him more effective. So Aiden Hutchinson is this massive body defensive end, and because the Jaguars drafted their quarterback last year, they don't need a quarterback back this year in this year's draft like Malik Willis has been talked about as a top quarterback but there's not really a, a star quarterback in this year's draft so if we get Aiden Hutchinson coming into the Jaguars as the first round pick tonight he's, his hope will be he's the next Joey Bosa where he's this towering defensive end he's picking guys up throwing them around and getting the quarterbacks all day alright Keen, great stuff thank you that is everything you need to know about the Combine and the Draft on Meaningful Metrics here on Off the Ball in partnership with Whoop, the personalised digital fitness and health coach that helps you unlock your inner potential. Check out whoop.com for more. Meaningful Metrics on Off the Ball. In partnership with Whoop, the personalised digital fitness and health coach that helps you unlock your inner potential. See whoop.com for more.